Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. And now! Hello and welcome back to C-Red UK, a UK-based Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Matt. And as usual, joined by Neil. How are we doing, Neil? I'm very good, Matt. I'm very good. Sitting out in the freezing cold in my car, but apart from that, uh, can't complain. <laughs> yeah, and tonight we're joined by a very special guest, which has taken some, some doing to get everybody together, but you might know him as Will the Thrill, or just quite simply, The Goat. It's Will Gottlieb from CHGO Bulls. How are we doing, Will? I'm glad that uh, that those nicknames have transcended our podcast and into yours. <laughs> but uh, it's it's really good to be here again. I apologize for all the delays, but really excited to talk bulls with you guys. Yeah, no worries. I mean, like we've just said, it's like a preseason for our preseason, as it is with you. So we're um, it's just turned midnight here now, so we're getting our early starts or late starts whichever one it is ready for next week uh, half two in the morning tip yeah. off next week is not not something we're looking forward to but we'll be there it's a brutal first game at half two anyway so, yeah, yeah. We, we've we'll, uh we brought it up on our show with obviously mark karenzillis as as a part-time co-host of just like how incredibly um dedicated international especially european fans are with the time zone it is absolutely brutal and uh you guys are just champs for it (laughs) appreciate that yeah definitely yeah (laughs) uh we'll uh we'll crack on with the the few questions that we've got for you straight away obviously it's going to be very sort of media day and training camp heavy with that been the the only news i've got at the minute um if the first question I've got is actually about CHGO, just because we did open it up to our 
sort of community to get some mailbag questions and they all seem to link to the same thing and it's CHGO. So the first one ties in with something that Gary sent in and it's, um, you know, like working with Matt and Dave is must be a, a complete roller coaster as it is for you. Um, you know, and be like having the devil and the angel sat on your shoulder. So obviously you've just been down in Brazil and now you're back on the lives. What, what is it actually like working with them two? Is it as much of a roller coaster as it seems? <laughs> it's, it's actually, I, you know, I, I kind of joke about this on the show of just like, you know, building our continuity, right? Like that's what the, the Bulls whole off season is about. And, and I think it's really true for us too, of just like, you know, Matt and Dave have worked together for so long. They obviously have incredible chemistry and play off of each other really well. And I think I'm just trying to kind of fit in and provide, uh, you know, whatever insight I can. And I think we, we really do cover a lot of bases with, you know, Matt is just so good at what he does in terms of being that emotional fan that you can really like get a sense of, you know, what it feels like to be a Chicago sports fan at any, any given moment. But I think where he doesn't get enough credit is just his ability to kind of quarterback the show and be just like a great facilitator of conversation and, you know, keep it structured. Um, and Dave is just like, they obviously work super well together, but he's just so like, he's so positive. I cannot stress enough how just like positive energy he has um, constantly hyping us both up and just the optimistic outlook on everything. I can tend to be a little uh, more pessimistic on things with the bulls, especially uh, given all the news around the rest of the league. But uh, I, I really think we play well off of one another and it's been great to get to know those guys both on and off of the, the live show. So could not, could not have nicer things to say about them both. Yeah. I mean, obviously we've had them both on in the last couple of weeks and obviously they're the self-proclaimed. Yeah, save, Saving the best for last. I see. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> well, they're the self-proclaimed children of the podcast and you're the adult apparently, aren't you? So it's, We've worked our I way up so. to the other. I'm, I'm not sure I agree with that one, but I'll, I'll let him have it. <laughs> Most of the time, I feel like the whiny baby, so. <laughs> and then, obviously, you've got your international cousin in Mark Kay, which, obviously, he's not on as much as he'd like, I'm, I'm sure, but that works well as well, doesn't it, when you, when you have your conversations with him because he offers a completely different perspective on things to what Matt and Dave do as well. Exactly. And, and Mark and I go way back. Our podcasting days have been kind of on and off, but, uh, you know, recently started back up again and then got, you know, sort of acquired by CHGO. And I love talking with Mark. I think we see the game in very similar ways, but also kind of challenge each other's um, opinions about just basketball, basketball players, how organizations should be run, how rosters should be built out. Um and so to be able to kind of have the best of both worlds there where I get to do as much work with Matt and Dave as I do, but also get to keep that, you know, Bulls HQ pod alive. Um, and I think we're going to be to tease a little bit, I think doing a little bit more of that during the, during the upcoming season. So um, yeah, I just, it's very, it's awesome to just be able to get to work with all three of those guys and just the way that we're playing off of one another. I think, I think it works and I hope uh, our listeners feel the same. Yeah, I mean, it definitely comes across. I mean, it's probably everybody's go-to Bulls podcast, I'd say, at the minute. So it's, it's definitely working. I appreciate it. 
So I'll move away from CHGO now and get on to the, the meat of everything. And obviously you've pretty much fresh from media day and obviously you've been at training the last, or practice the last two days as well. So pretty good insight from where you've been. And I just wanted to know what, what is media day actually like? Because it seems a bit like organised chaos and like, is there a pecking order there? Like Casey Johnson being the, the veteran of it all, does he get the first questions and stuff like that? Or is it literally organised to who goes when and, you know, to, who yeah, gets to ask what a, question? That's a good sort of like inside baseball question. Um, basically, the setup is the same as it was for like post-game press conferences last year. Um, so they they set up a podium. They've got like the Bulls logo and whatever on the screen behind them. And there's like maybe a couple of rows of chairs just in front. And then they obviously film it and the cameras behind everyone. And, um, you know, so they brought out AK and Billy first. And I think for the most part, either Joe Cowley or Casey get the first question. Um, the longest tenured guys, probably the most uh, sort of well-respected on the beat by the team, surely. Um, and yeah, they kind of also set the stage in terms of, you know, more of the news stuff, like making sure that we're hitting on the most up-to-date. I think they're really good at that. Um, I think, you know, the Bulls beat has, like, I was just kind of thinking about this morning, such strong journalists across the board. Um, Darnell Mayberry is, like, just so good at what he does. I don't think he quite gets enough credit for um, how good he is at his job, the questions that he asks, the relationships that, he clearly builds with the players and the coaches and things like that. Um, and then you've got guys like Jamal Collier, who's awesome. Cody Westerland, Rob Schaefer is like really, really good. So a uh, really strong group. And it's kind of, you know, after the initial couple of questions, um, kind of a free for all. And I, I typically tend to wait to get through some of the more pressing matters, whether it's news or updates or things like that, before I start trying to, um, you know, ask Billy to give away all of his secrets um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Is that the, the first media day you've done then? Or is it? It's my first Bulls media day. Um, right. I've done maybe three, I think three media days with the Warriors, um, which is a totally different setup. Uh, honestly surprised me a little bit. The Warriors really, um, and then I think I actually covered a Bucks one years and years ago but anyway uh the Warriors really blow it out and they um you know they have like their little stations where all the guys are taking pictures and they bring out the trophies and you can kind of like walk through all that stuff and then they've also got all their players talking whereas this was more focused on just the interview aspect of it and sort of the the pictures and you know that all the all the filming of the material that comes on you know the jumbotron throughout the course of the season that was all off to the side but uh yeah is it a tiring experience. I mean, I know I was tired trying to keep up with it all just on the socials <laughs> and retweet and share and create content from it. So obviously it was a lot later in the day for us anyway. It was, I think, half 11 at night by the time I'd finished it all. So obviously you're there in the thick of it all trying to ask the questions but update at the same time. It must be a bit, your head must be all over the place. with it. A little bit, yeah. I kind of feel like the uh, Joe Dumar's 
you know, me and Maurice holding two phones. I'm like trying to take videos and uh, make sure I know what questions I'm trying to ask. And also like live tweet, you know, live transcribe, which is actually a lot harder than it might seem to try to get those quotes right. Um, But you get used to it. It's like, uh, you know, you can practice it just like anything else. And um, yeah, like I said, just the, the quality of the reporters that are there asking good questions, there's, there's really no shortage. And so you have to be, on your toes the whole time, but you know, it was like probably hour and a half, two hours of questions. And then, you know, you sort of have some time to regroup, go back and listen to some of the interviews and things like that transcribe. Um, but then that's kind of like when the, when the writing part of it starts. And so it does, it, it kind of comes in phases, but, um, and I, and I love all, all the parts of it, but uh, you know, getting to really get into the breakdowns and, dissecting the quotes and trying to find meaning in that stuff is, is always really interesting to me. Uh, you needed your athletic greens on that day then. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. <laughs> That's yeah. how I can tell you guys are true fans. <laughs> yeah, well, we've been been there since day one. I don't think we've missed an episode yet. So, It's honestly crazy to me that, that, that you would even say that. Like, we're it's, it's so humbling to hear people listen to the show, let alone have been around and actually like it so we we really do appreciate that all three of us yeah well, um, we try to jump on the lives when we can but i mean it's sort of nine o'clock at night as it is when or as it has been for us and i kind of need something to listen to the next day so i tend to just listen to the podcast version more than be on the lives but definitely uh gets the first hour or so of the day out of the way which is handy for me yeah it's uh, good I'll, i'm glad we're uh we're able to, like I said, with the European fan base being as strong as it is to find a way for them to, you know, still be able to find our content. Absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll let Neil ask you a couple of questions now and because before I get onto all my sort of media day and training camp one. Yeah. Okay. Well, so um, a couple of quick questions here for you. Uh, me- media day presses, uh, generally tend to be full of vague, well-rehearsed textbook type answers from everybody. You know, everybody's staying within the box and the confines of what they are and aren't allowed to say. But was there anything said that you didn't expect? That's a good one. Um, the the couple that just come to mind here, uh, and to your point, you know, a, a lot of it is just like rehearsed responses, canned responses of what they're going to do without really like giving anything away. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lonzo stuff was obviously like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the roster movements and, and lack thereof was all just like, we want continuity. We want to keep building on what we're doing. Um, the, the few nuggets that stood out were Patrick Williams saying that there was going to be, uh, more positionless stuff going on within the offense. Um, and Billy kind of alluded to potentially playing Patrick at some small ball five super niche, but that's, that's the stuff I'm interested in, in terms of like, you know, we we saw this team be good when they were good. We also saw them be really bad when they were really bad. Um, and so you're not going to make any sort of roster adjustments. Like, what are you going to do to try to improve? Because I think that's all that's what we all want to see. Um, and so hearing that there might be a little bit more motion, a little bit more movement, and trying things out with lineups, I think is really exciting. And I'm I'm very keen to sort of see how that shakes out here next week in the first preseason game, which is crazy to say. Um, yep. and so that's sort of on the basketball court, though, the one that stands out. And then the other is Goran Dragic saying, kind of dropping in that, 
Arturis was sort of after him last year before he signed with the uh, with the Nets and kind of dropping that little nugget in there just because you don't really hear that kind of stuff from, you know, certainly Arturis, but just in general, like the league is pretty protective. Uh, teams around the league, front offices are pretty protective about the information that they give out. And so to hear a player say, yeah, they were they were coming after me, you know, last January. Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised by that as well when I heard it. I also enjoyed um, Dragic being quite candid about the uh, the Derek Rose dunk. It was it was an enjoyable. Yeah, that was great. He's got a great sense of humor. Vooch uh, dropped in the the joke about you know checking his Zillow page when <laughs> everybody was talking about him moving to Utah in a Rudy Gobert trade. And then uh, Caruso was kind of explaining that he was considering changing his number from six, which was retired <laughs> by the league in honor of Bill Russell. Um, and so he's saying, I was thinking about it, but the league actually told me no because I'm top 75 in Jersey sales. So shout out to me, which I thought yeah. was flex. And he gave himself a little pat on the back at the same flex. time. Exactly. <laughs> that is a flex. That big is time, a flex. Big time. Big time. So as you just mentioned there, Will, actually, uh, continuity has been the buzzword from the Bulls front office and coaching staff. But um, in your opinion, how does that work if one of the starting five is out without a definitive timeline? Uh, I've been asking the same question into the abyss for weeks now, probably months. Um, I don't know, to be honest with you. I think they've got a lot of things that they need to change about, you know, the style of play both on both sides of the ball, right? Like their their defense absolutely collapsed in the second half of the year. They clearly need to make some changes in order to, you know, tread water until hopefully Lonzo can come back. Offensively, they didn't shoot enough threes. It kind of devolved into DeMar Ball there down the stretch. Obviously, Zach was hurt. Uh, Vooch wasn't playing very well. Caruso was hurt. Lonzo was out. So all these things kind of led the Bulls down this pretty dark path of just you know, going on that seven and 22 or eight and 22 run to end the year. Um, and so, you know, you see that happen, you see everything unfold the way it did. And then to say, well, we kind of like our guys. Yeah. But like, you also want to get better, don't you? And so you see this group where, how do you get better? What are the avenues? And I think uh, when it comes to continuity, I can point to a couple things where I kind of buy it, but a lot of it is like, you know, when you, <laughs> isn't the idea of continuity to like be the same. And so you've got all these changes to make, like, what is that? How does, how do those two things mesh? How does that, how does that work? Um, the areas where I think it could be productive, uh, just, you know, internal growth from both Patrick and IO, I think both those guys are going to take some steps next year. I'm not sure how big of steps, but um, you know, young guys getting better is always key to teams being good. Like you want cost controlled young players to help, uh, supplement your depth and you know in Patrick's case I think the idea is for him to become sort of a, a star player you know in, in some capacity over the next couple of years and so he needs to really make a move and, and get better at everything uh, really I mean both sides of the ball there's not a, a, a place on the floor where he doesn't need to improve um, and so I think that's a, a big one I also think Vooch and just you know, he's talked a lot about the adjustment that it was for him to come over from Orlando where he was getting the ball in the post every single possession and everything was going through him to now being sort of that third option and trying to fit in instead of like be the featured piece. Um, I think another year playing with DeMar, playing with Zach and sort of understanding the spaces on the floor where he can work best and hopefully shoot the ball a little bit better 
I think he could have a bit of a step up too. But, you know, you also run that risk of an aging guy who is clearly, you know, had a down season. Is that going to be the trend now or is there room for him to bounce back? So that's another big one that I'm focused on during the preseason. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, we've all been through the frustrations of of shouting at Vooch to get closer to the rim and actually put the ball into the basket. So let's hope we'll see a bit more of that this year. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we, we've got to see, you know, through social media and stuff and from yourself, especially we've got to see small sample sizes of the training camp so far, but how, how was the morale and the chemistry from your viewpoint, who is actually, you know, that little bit closer than we can get, uh, particularly with the new guys like Goran and, and Drummond. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, just, as media, they let us in after practices over during sort of the the warm downs where they're just kind of shooting around or doing some shooting drills or games or anything like that. Um, sometimes we see a little bit of scrimmaging, but it's usually far enough away that it's pretty hard to tell who's doing what. Um, the guys that we've talked to so far in training camp, uh, Dale and Terry, who, you know, was kind of that same, you know, excited, energized kid that we saw during summer league. Uh, really just focused on, you know, challenging people and being intense and really bringing defense to the table. Um, and I think he'll, you know, have opportunities to to make an impact here with Lonzo missing some time. Uh, he's taken it seriously. You can kind of tell, you know, he mentioned like Zach blew by him at one point. Um, I feel like he kind of had his welcome to the NBA moment there at some <laughs> point during practice without really knowing the details of it. Um, so you could see he was kind of like, all right, this is what it's about. And I think he'll step up and, and step to the task. But uh, Drummond came in yesterday as well and, and talked about his role and, you know, really believing that he's still got starter quality game left in him. And, um, you know, he's not necessarily like competing for that starting job against Vooch, but, um, you know, if he can come in and provide you some really quality backup five minutes, it's something the Bulls didn't have last year with, Tristan Thompson and Tony Bradley, uh, you know, I think that's an upgrade for sure. Um, maybe not the most inspired roster move, but I do think he helps. And, you know, he's, this, I think it's his ninth season. Like he's, he knows what it's, uh, what it's about to be, you know, a, a veteran in this league at this point. And um, that is kind of leads me to Aya who, who spoke today and just this dude is just taking it so seriously. All he wants to do is win. He's putting in the work. He's just like, he's so level-headed it's like impressive how um composed he is and like it's so genuine when he talks about like it's not just lip service it's not you know i know this is what i'm supposed to say he's like yeah i'm just working out because you know i'm working on my conditioning because it's going to allow me to play more and not get tired throughout the game and that will help us win so it's just it's very refreshing to see his approach and and it seems like everybody at this point is just very sort of focused on being the best version of themselves and, and winning as many games as they can. So nothing too, uh, you know, outrageous or outlandish, but uh, and not, not, not too dr- super dramatic either. Just kind of guys focused on winning. Yeah, which is good. Upbeat and focused. We'll take that for now anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah we'll see, for now. We'll see how long exactly yeah yeah <laughs> we'll see how it transpires and how it moves over to the floor but uh, for now we'll take it um i guess underwhelmed seems to be the general consensus when talking about the bulls off-season moves and 
apart from getting the deal done with Zach, of course. But um, now that the dust has kind of settled a bit and, and they've started working out together, how do you personally feel about this group? Um, I, I see some pretty major flaws that I'm not sure how they address. Um, I kind of touched on some of them, but uh, this is a flawed team. This is not a championship ready team. And I think, you know, that's okay. Basically the idea here is to take a step uh, on top of what they did last year, which was obviously, you know, a pretty big step forward from the year before uh, they are kind of, their cupboards are a little bit bare in terms of assets that they can move to go out and get another player. And so, you know, I, I don't think it's like disingenuous to say that they are actually banking on this idea of like another year together. You know, we can build some team chemistry. We can learn each other's tendencies and build on the things that worked well, but also problem solve and sort of adjust to the things that didn't go so well last year. Um, you know, I was a little bit disappointed with the lack of roster moves, but uh, at the same time, like given the limitation, I think at this point, um, I don't think it's fair to necessarily be so angry at the front office for not going into the luxury tax. Like I think of it more as like a limitation as opposed to like, you know, a frustration of, of why they didn't do it. Like this is the reality that they're just not going to be doing that um, until proven otherwise. And so given that, you know, spending the lack of spending power, the lack of, um, of assets to be able to go out and, make a move for a guy like Dale and Terry was high on my list for the bulls to take at uh, wherever they were. Number 20, number 21. Um, you know, I obviously love target Eason and AJ Griffin. Those guys went right before him, but I really do like Dale and Terry and I, I have some uh, high hopes for him. I think Drummond solves a real need. And with the Lonzo news, I mean, it clearly like that. It made sense why they went out and got him as somebody who can really push the tempo, who can get guys into their spots and, run some like true backup point guard with some experience. Uh, I think with Dragic, with Caruso, with IO, even with Kobe to a certain extent, um, you kind of have some of the elements that Lonzo has in his game. And um, yeah, so I, I, I do think some of those moves, you know, depth was also just such a big problem where like if a guy went down last year, there was nothing that you could do. And all of a sudden you're playing like Trey Brown Jr. and Matt Thomas and, Tony Bradley, like they won't really have to do that this year. And I think that helps them. Um, it's not going to help them on a super high end level, but it does probably raise their floor just a little bit. So um, yes, disappointed. We didn't go out and get Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell or whatever. Not that, you know, Mitchell would have been a great fit here, but uh, I do think, you know, some of the moves they made are starting to make more sense to me in hindsight. Very good. Very good. Okay. I'll pass it back to Matt and let him ask a few more. Yeah, you've kind of touched on a few things that I was going to ask there and one of them was actually about Dale and Terry. You were one of the sort of only writers that had him as a potential pick for Bulls and just wanted to know what, what it was about him that you made you have that choice. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing that stands out is his just demeanour and his, you know, people joke about like the dog in him, but like that's his that's his whole personality. That's his whole like charisma on the basketball floor. And that's not really something that anybody else had. Um, for me, that's not something that I'm like drafting a guy for, but it's, it's certainly, you know, perked my ears up a little bit, but just diving into the film and seeing the way that he stepped up to sort of run that Arizona offense um, in the second half of the season, really impressed with his length, his passing and just like floor awareness. I think that's a skill that not a lot of guys have, especially at that age. And it's something that you really need 
one through five, if you're going to be trying to win at a high level, like you cannot have any weak links in terms of like basketball IQ or awareness of what's going on. Um, and I think it's going to take him some time to just learn the NBA game and get himself oriented. But that's a skill that, you know, I, I, I think you cannot have too much of, especially when it comes in a six, seven package with six, you know, whatever it is, six ten, six eleven wingspan. So uh, the build, the IQ, the passing ability, the ball moving, the athleticism, the speed. Um, I just think he's he's a great player to try to develop as a project. And if you can start to, you know, get that that three point percentage and volume up, some more confidence there. I think he could be like actually a very good wing player in this league, and that's a position of of need. Everybody needs that. It's a premium. So. Um, kind of a bet on a few different things, but I do like his potential, especially in a draft where there just wasn't a clear, you know, option past, you know, maybe felt like kind of a 16, 17 player draft and the bulls were, you know, just outside of that. And so for me, it was like, take a guy like who can clearly do a couple of things at a very high level uh, in terms of defend and, um, you know, push the pace, get on transition. And then just that basketball IQ that I talked about. So, I thought it was a good bet, and uh, I'm excited to see how he starts to develop if he gets any minutes here in the early season. Yeah, I mean, we from what we've seen of him in sort of summer league and the various workout videos, we're we're pretty excited by him. And like I say, he's a bit of a not quite obviously to the level of Lonzo in what he does, but crossed with Javante Green as well, like bringing that energy and. I mean, do you actually see him as a guard or like do you see him moving to the three or something like that? Um, I see him as more of a three, maybe even a four down the line, certainly not this season, but you know, that kind of size and length, I think you can pretty much fit anywhere. And then as I kind of alluded to, you know, the ability to move the ball, the ability to understand where guys are going to be on the floor, like you need that one through five, you don't just need that from your one. And so, you know, if he can develop his shot, which, you know, really does need some work, um, you have a really interesting weapon on the wings there that can sort of help you complement your best player. So you need spacing, you need IQ, you need defense, and you need um, just like awareness. And I think he, he really has that. So, um, I, I you know, the, I think the Bulls need to, not basically give the the ball to Damar every single possession and say like everybody else get out of the way. Um, I think they are going to be a team that if they're going to be more than the sum of their parts, it's going to be because there's like this level of team chemistry in their, uh, in their motion and in their mobility. And so I think getting a guy like Dalen in there just adds to that. And I think his skill set works well with what they want to do. And um, like I said, you need to have those guys one through five in the lineup, not just one and two. Yeah. And going back to the practice, I mean, obviously you just said that you don't really see much of it by the time you get in there, but was there anything in particular that you've noticed about any of the players? Like, for example, does Ayo actually look bigger after his, air quotes, monster off-season? <laughs> um, yeah, we did have a chance to talk to Ayo today for the first time. He definitely looks bigger. Um he said he gained like seven pounds of muscle this summer, which isn't obviously the the 15 pounds that you're normally on muscle watch for, but uh, it, it clearly looks a lot bigger. Um, he's just ripped. Like he's just a big ripped dude. And, you know, I was kind of mentioning this on our show today, 
just like the, the self-awareness that he has of like, here's where I struggled last year. Um, here's the reason why I struggled, which was like, I was tired. I went from playing 20 games a year to 82. And I went from playing, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game to 38 minutes a game at the NBA level. I need to have my conditioning way better. And so I think that's what he did. He got his strength up. He's in much better conditioning from what he says. Um, and I think that sort of self-awareness is really going to be, be beneficial to him and, and the rest of the team. Uh, and that kind of stood out for me. Yeah. Well, I'll see. Have you got any more questions, Neil? Uh, no, I, I just had one more. But, um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking about whether or not I was going to ask you. But I'll go for it. Um, were, are there any moves in particular that you'd like to see the Bulls make before the trade deadline? I know it's a good bit away, but <clears throat> is there anything you had in mind maybe that, that you'd like to see? I think this these first couple of months are going to be really interesting. And uh, just another reason why losing Lonzo is so difficult, because if the idea is to like see what you have as a group and then make roster decisions, you know, you can't really do that unless you see the full group and, and we're not going to do, we're not going to have the ability to do that depending on mm. what happens with Lonzo here. And so, um, you know, if the bulls start out really cold, I think they're going to need to look to move Vooch pretty quickly. Um, you know, if the bulls are not playing well, you're not going to want to invest more money into a 32 year old center. Um, and, you know, I've, I've talked about uh, how I think Vooch is really underappreciated a ton on, on my show, but um, you know, if it gets to a certain point with him, you know, he's an expiring contract. He has the ability to stretch the floor and play make a little bit. Uh, that's something that could be valuable to other teams. And if you can start to make up some of that draft capital that you've already shipped out for him and for DeMar, uh, that could, you know, really like help mitigate some of the, the long-term risk that you have um, associated with trading, trading for those guys. So I think Vooch would be, like the first, whereas he was sort of the first big domino to fall in the original, you know, roster makeover. I think he could be the one that gets moved. Um, from what it sounds like, they've been trying to find a place for Kobe, but uh, it doesn't really seem like there are very many interested buyers. So that could be another one where maybe they attach him to a Vooch and try to expand that salary and take something bigger back. Um, you know, I think really they're going to be looking for internal development. And if it gets to the point where that's not working, I think that they'll start to, you know, have to go the other direction because you can't really just lose Vooch for nothing. Um, but if things are going really well and, you know, they, they have something going on here and they think maybe Lonzo is going to come back and make things even better, uh, you know, building out that bench depth a little bit more, uh, a move like, you know, somebody that I talked about last year a lot was Tory Craig, just like a, a back end, maybe fourth wing option that you can throw in um, in case of emergency or just in different looks. I think that could be sort of a, a buyer's move for them because they just don't really have a lot in the way of like major assets to go out and get, you know, a star player. And I think that's pretty rare at the trade deadline regardless. So uh, for me, just to sort of recap that, it would be if things are going bad, I think they could look to trade Vooch. If things are going well, they could sort of look into back-end rotation guys, especially at the forward spot where they're a little bit thin. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, a fairly sensible way of looking at it. Matt? Yeah, well, I've just got one more before we go into the mailbag ones. In, I heard Matt say on another podcast uh, earlier today that from next season, you're allowed back in the locker room 
Is that that's right? Something that makes your job a lot easier, or is it different in any way to sitting in a row of seats and letting everyone else get the questions in first, or you know, is it just a does it go to a complete free for all? Yeah, um, I haven't gotten like official confirmation on whether or not that will happen, so um, still hopeful. But I mean, really changes the trajectory for me personally but just for storytelling in general like you know being able to basically you go they have like locker room availability for 30 or 40 minutes before the game and then again after the game where you can just go up and talk to the players one-on-one you can ask them to go on the record you can just chat about family life whatever um and just building those relationships makes it so much easier down the road to get you know help on stories and for me specifically as somebody who you know, I'm more interested in sort of understanding the game of basketball and trying to write about more detailed, more sort of niche things that happen that interest me to be able to talk about that with some of the players on the team and and get more of an insight there um, and do that in a one-on-one setting where it's like exclusive information and it's not something that's going to show up in every beat writer's um, report or or write-up of the game. That is just it's just huge. Um, and so, you know, if that, if, and when that does happen, I am just very, very excited to start brainstorming ideas and just get back to watching basketball and like, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and then asking the players about it. It's just, it, it's really such a dream to be able to do that. So I'm really hoping for it. So is there a, one certain player you've got in mind that you want to try and, strike up a relationship with that would be, give you some interesting stories or have you not really thought um, about that side of it? Yeah, I have a couple ideas. I don't want to give them away here, but I think, uh, <laughs> I think there are a couple of different players who I could see, you know, opening up a little bit more in a one-on-one setting than in a sort of group media scrum. Yeah. So outside of the norm, like your, your Zach's and your Demar sort of, Exactly. A couple of guys. A couple of guys on yeah. my mind. Yeah, we'll, we'll look forward to, to hearing that then. The Call with Tim Sinclair is brought to you by Stump, the new app for iOS and Android that allows anyone to create an instant social podcast. Whether by yourself or with friends, Stump lets you connect, record, and instantly share your conversations with the world. Talk about anything with anyone and share it with everyone. It's the social network solely for audio. Download the free app from the App Store or Google Play. Or learn more at GetStump.com. Stump, your voice has a place. Yeah, I'll get into the the mailbag and we've kind of touched on a lot of what people have asked to be fair so I'll try and whittle it down a little bit and the first one comes from Troy uh, I don't know if you recognise the name he's a very very big fan of oh, yeah. uh, CHGO from Australia and we've actually had him on for a chat it was, yeah I know Matt and Dave sort of really appreciated him chipping in so we, we actually had him on as a guest um, the weekend of Bulls Fest we had our own little sort of nice. poor man's CHGO going on, so I was quite. <laughs> well, first of all, he wanted to pass on his his love for 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 all of you and CHGO. But then he says, "What made you want to get into the the media side of basketball?" 
That's a great question. Um, something I don't really talk a lot about just because we're talking about other stuff on our show, but um, yeah, I was kind of just like graduating college and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And, you know, I had a couple ideas, but it was right around the time when um, Derek Rose hit that bank shot to beat the Cavs in game three or whatever it was. And then LeBron hit the game winner in game four. I think it was 2015 uh, Eastern Conference semifinals. And I just like, I've always been a huge Bulls fan, especially through like, you know, the Derek Rose years. But even before that, just like, it was such a big part of my life and who I am and the, the thing that I, you know, love the most. And so I really wanted to, to, you know, just talk about it and like continue that as something I did either as a hobby or professionally. And um, so I just kind of started writing about it on various blogs. And um, luckily enough, I just kind of stuck with it and gained some more, I guess you could say notoriety, although that's pretty generous way to put it. Um, and then I ended up getting a job at Bleacher Report and did some writing for them. Um, it was kind of my moonlight job for them. I was working full time, uh, on their app and, and doing some content programming. And then, you know, after work would go cover the Warriors and be around that team. And that's where I really kind of felt the, felt what it can be like to be able to like talk to players and, and, ask questions and like get the answers that I wanted to. Um, and so that really, I feel like opened up some doors and just, you know, being able to cover three NBA finals um, and watch, you know, the second greatest dynasty in the history of the NBA from up close. I mean, it's just, I was hooked. There was like no, uh, no way around it. Um, and so I just kind of continued on with it and, you know, had a couple of job changes there before CHGO, but um, it's just been something I've loved as long as I can remember. And to be able to just talk about it for a living is, is pretty crazy. I mean, I would never just give that up, you know? Yeah. Uh, the next one is from uh, Danny and he's asked, have you seen much of the sort of the potential two ways players that we've got coming in and in particular Costas? I'm not even going to attempt to say mm. it's said because it just mumbles <laughs> out. <laughs> Um, I have not seen much of Costas. Uh, he he played in the NBA, so I suppose I could go back and watch some of that game tape. He's played in the G League and actually put up some really big numbers. I believe it was with the Mavericks G League team um, and then played with the Lakers a little bit. Didn't really, you know, contribute very much in games. Um, he's also played internationally and done some stuff. I mean, I think he, you know, it's kind of a silly sort of comparison, but I think he just has like some Giannis to his game in terms of that length and size, but it's just on like a way smaller scale. I don't want to say like poor man's, but it's just like he hasn't really developed and refined a lot of the things that make Giannis great, but he's kind of in that same package in terms of his size and athleticism. So he's, he's got a long way to go. He's very, um, I guess I would say like sort of clunky as a basketball player. He doesn't have a, a lot of touch, but uh, for somebody who can move the way he does at that size um, on a team where you just don't really have any sort of big wing size players, um, I'm totally fine with, uh, you know, he's, he's not on a two way yet, but he's, he's kind of fighting for it. So I'm fine with, um, with them potentially going in that direction. And then Justin Lewis, uh, 
only really saw him in summer league, but I was really impressed with what he's able to do very much like a big wing three and D kind of player right now. But uh, he's a very solid shooter. He can move his feet. All right. Um, And I think he's just got like potential to be, you know, in in his words, a Jay Crowder type of player. Um, And you can't really have enough of those guys, especially like I said, when you're so limited on the wing. So hoping he gets better and healthy soon and, the Bulls are able to work with him and develop him over the course of the next few years because I think he could be a very solid rotation piece. Yeah, I mean it's gutting that he's he's out as well, isn't it? So mm. yeah. And the last one comes from Carl, and he asks, "Will the NBA list Demar as a three so that we can get Zach as an All Star starter this year?" <laughs> um, I think so. I believe he was, I would need to go back and check this, but I think he was a forward for the all NBA teams. Um, you might have to check me on that, but where he was a guard in the all-star voting for whatever reason, he was a forward on the all NBA teams. And so, you know, who knows? Zach was definitely like on that trajectory, you know, before his thumb injury and then the knee, like he was playing at a super high level and I hope he can get back to that. Um, and then obviously like DeMar would need to continue on playing the way he did when he was at his best uh, for that to happen. But I guess we've seen it before. So what's to say he can't do it again? Yeah, absolutely. And I've asked Matt and Dave this, this to end, well, finish the mailbag there, but I've asked Matt and Dave this as well. And um, obviously I know you probably do a bit more of a dive on your own shows and stuff. But it's sort of your predictions for for the Bulls, and I know it's hard to predict because it's everything's up in the air. But where do you see them finishing in the East? Oh, it's tough. I really wrestle with it. Um, the pessimist in me comes out when I do these kinds of things. So apologies to the listeners. But uh, right now, I would say that they are nine. Um, I do think that's okay, though. The way I've rationalized it is that you know they might stumble a bit in the regular season. You know, with the moves that the Hawks made, I think they're in for a big jump with DeJounte and just, you know, bouncing back from a conference final to nearly missing the playoffs and then getting bumped in the first round. And I think it was four games. Um, I think that, you know, they just have so much room for internal growth. And then you add an all-star caliber player in DeJounte. I think they're going to be very good. The Cavs, obviously, you know, Donovan Mitchell, but but again, with this internal growth idea of Garland and Mobley and Jared Allen all kind of coming together in their early 20s, um, I think they've got a ton of upside. Um, and then I love what the Raptors are doing. They're kind of my my favorite brand of basketball in terms of just the size and defense and switchability. Uh, and they were in front of the Bulls last year. So um, I think you obviously have your, your top four from last year. Maybe Miami dips a little bit. Um, I think the Nets will be back and better. So it's a tough East out there, and I would not be surprised if the Bulls fall to nine. Um, I could see them being eight, maybe seven, but certainly in that play-in range. And as I was kind of starting to say, like, I think that's okay because best-case scenario is they're at their best going into the playoffs this year, not at the start of the season. So maybe Lonzo is out for an extended period of time. Like, even if he comes back in January or February – around the trade deadline. Like there's a few weeks there where he can start to get acclimated. He's not going to be playing 35 minutes a night, but you know, if you can get him in to play 20 minutes a night and maybe close some games, um, guys are shooting the ball better than they were at the end of last season. There's a little bit more confidence. Uh, DeMar's playing well. Zach's playing well. Like I could see them being 
a team that sort of fights into the playoffs through the play-in. So that would be my hope, even though the record, you know, and and standings might be a little bit worse than last year. Right. And that leads into what sort of record do you think we'll finish with? I think you're looking at the, uh, I'll say like 42 to 44 win range. Um, they were on pace to be like one of the worst teams in the league during their last 25 odd games. Um, I do not think they're that bad. They were on pace to be the best team in the league over their first however many games and they are not that good. So it's going to fall somewhere in the middle. I think just due to the fact that the East is better, the West is somehow better too. Like there just aren't very many games that you can pencil in as wins. Um, They're going to be trying to develop Patrick and IO. They're going to try to be winning games at the same time. It's going to get a little bit conflicting, but I think, and I think that might kind of hit them at times during the regular season. But I think if they are able to put all that stuff together with Lonzo, you know, Patrick's development, Io's development, Damar hopefully playing as well as he did last year, Zach looking more like the first half than the second half, I think they could actually be a better team with a worse record. But I'll, I'll, I'll go with uh, 42 to 44 win range, and maybe I'll just call it 43. <laughs> all right. And um, if they met the playoffs, how would you see them doing? in the playoffs? Um, I think they'd probably be a first round out again, but, you know, which is disappointing uh, considering like how much they've invested in this group. Um, but just being realistic, I mean, just some of these teams are so freaking good and the Bulls had no answers for any of them last year. So I'm not sure what really changes there. Um, maybe Lonzo is the answer. Uh, I don't want to put too many eggs in the Lonzo basket just because this knee injury has been really bad and I don't know if it's going to magically resolve itself. Um, hopefully we get some good news from his team and the bulls here, like maybe later tonight or tomorrow. But um, I think, yeah, I'm hoping for like a more competitive first round series that the first game was pretty competitive. Uh, the second game, obviously they won against the bucks, but uh, the last three games were just like, not real basketball games. And uh, if they can just like maybe stretch a game to six or seven, a series to six or seven games um, and look like a really competitive team, I think I'd be much happier with that, with that outcome, even if they're not extending, uh, you know, their playoff lives. Yeah. And then the next three uh, sort of player awards and who do you think is going to be the Bulls MVP? I'm going to go with DeMar. I think it's kind of an easy answer, but uh, I mean, he just was the engine that made that whole machine run. He was phenomenal. He was all NBA. He was all-star starter. Like there are not enough superlatives. Um, Even if he is not quite as good as he was last year, he's still, you know, the best player on this team. And uh, he's going to be the reason why they do well. So um, he's, he's certainly the MVP for me. Yeah. And the Bulls most improved. I'm really hoping it's Patrick. Um, Big Dave has sort of started to uh, convince me that it might be Io. I think they're both going to take a big step up, but I'll stick with Patrick just because, um, you know, I think he has a lot of scope to grow. And I think he's also starting at sort of a low point relative to Io. Like he, he just wasn't as good as Io was last year. So maybe there's a little bit more room for him to get better. And I think he's going to have all the you know, the playing time and the opportunity in the world. So I'm really hoping it's him. 
Yeah. And the last one, who do you see being the Bulls' unsung hero? Hmm. What what exactly does that mean? Um, kind of like the, the under the radar MVP. Yeah, it's a bit similar, I guess, into how Javante Green was last year, where he just sort of stepped in and hmm. did what he needed to yeah. do. And I think. Uh... I mean, maybe this is an unfair answer, but like Caruso just does so many things that nobody else does on this Bulls team, especially with Lonzo out. And I think if they're going to have a good defense, it's because Caruso is just going to be an absolute animal out there defending one through five, uh, guarding at the point of attack, helping on, you know, weak side. He's just like, I I really think he's one of the best defensive players in the league. And, um, on a team with very few other options, I think he's really going to shine on that end. And then certainly is the best combination of offense and defense of any of the other guards on the team. So um, I'm very excited about him. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He quietly only played, I think, 41 games last year. He'll need to stay healthy, but he's in for some more minutes. He's in for a bigger role. And like I said, he's one of the best defensive players in the league, so he's going to have a huge impact. Yeah. I'll, I'll hand it back to Neil to for his little game and then his player <laughs> profile. How are you doing, Will? Uh, okay, so we normally throw out a little bit of a game uh, towards the end. Uh, it's uh, called Play, Bench or Wave, and it's played in the same vein as Kiss, Marry, Avoid. Yeah, okay. So I'll throw you out three names, and you pick one to play, one to bench, and one to wave. Okay, so the first one is uh, play bench or wave. Troy Brown Jr., Derek Jones Jr., and Otto Porter Jr. Okay, a lot of of juniors. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and wave Troy Brown Jr. Um, mm, It's tough because there are two things I love in the sport of basketball. One is small ball, small ball fives (laughs) who are very athletic. And the other is dead-eye shooting. Um, I think just because Otto Porter is a little bit more limited, uh, but Derek Jones is so bad offensively. I'm going to go with uh, with Otto Porter starting because I know that will frustrate David Matt and because he's an <laughs> NBA champion. He's an NBA champion, and you put some respect on his name. Uh, so I'll start Otto Porter. You can, always, you can never have too much shooting. And uh, Derek Jones is probably not a heavy minutes starter, probably easier to get away with uh, Otto in that role, but you know, a little small ball five off the bench, give it a give it a try as a curveball, why not? Brilliant. Okay, next one. Uh, play bench or wave, Alex Caruso, Javante Green, and Ayo DeSumo. Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> um, I don't want to wave any of them. Ayo, Javante, and Caruso. I mean, this sucks because I love Javante so much, uh, but I'm going to have to wave him I think the best player there is Caruso, and so you have to start him. And this is kind of like my internal debate about who should start at point guard. Uh, I think Caruso is the best player, so just start the best player. Um, Io, you you can't cut him. Like, there's just too much potential there. There's too much upside. He's flashed too much. He's still young. He can defend. He's more of a two-way player than Javante is. I hate it because I love Javante, but I think I'm going to go start Caruso, bench Io and wave Javante, sadly. Yeah, that was a, that was a tough one. And the last one then I'll throw at you is uh, 
Jimmy Butler, Patrick Williams, and Taj Gibson. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just have to stick to my guns here and start Jimmy. He's one of my favorite bulls ever. Yeah. Um, Taj is also one of my favorites. I think I'll... Uh, you guys are cruel. <laughs> um, this is going to piss people off, but like, I think I'm going to go bench Taj. Like Taj was the sixth man on the bench mob. Like he was, he was that guy for the bulls. We know what he was like. And that player was great. He was one of the best defensive players in the league. There's just, I, I really want to believe in Patrick, but there's, there's questions there. And you know, he may never get to the point where he's as good as Taj was. So it sucks, but that was a tough one. I'm going to start Jimmy superstar player, top 10 player in the league, top 15, whatever. Uh, bring the the six man bench mop guy off the bench in Taj, and then uh, some other team is going to find gold and and Patrick off the waiver wire. I think that's fair. It was kind of the only way you could do it, really. To be fair, yeah, that okay. was tough. Yeah, yeah, I know. It, it gets you thinking a little bit. Um. So again, as uh, as Matt said, we always do a player profile. And uh, it's just so funny that you happen to mention that one of your favorite players of all time is Jimmy Butler, because that's who I've decided to do the player profile uh, on. For. Perfect. Perfect. So basically, I'll give a little bit of a rundown of some of his uh, statistics and achievements, and then uh, I'll open it up to you to tell us your opinion on him and, and what you think. Um, so Jimmy Butler obviously wore number 21. He's 33 now, six foot seven, small forward out of Marquette. He was a round one 30th pick in 2011 by the Bulls. Uh, 11 years uh, experience, uh, played from 2011 to 17 with us, uh, 17 to 18 in Minnesota, uh, 18 to 19 in Philly, and then he's been playing ever since uh, uh, in Miami. Um, Bulls averages 15.6 points per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, 3.1 assists per game, and 1.5 steals per game. Known as Jimmy Buckets or Jimmy G Buckets. The G stands for gets. Um, accolades. Six-time NBA All-Star. Um, four-time NBA All-NBA third team. Five-time All-NBA defensive team. Most improved player in 2015. NBA steals leader 2021. And a gold medal Olympian in 2016. Uh, so, as we all know, he played for us until he was part of the uh, Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and seventh draft pick trade, which got us Lowry. Um, and when he played for us, you could just see he was becoming better and better each year before he was moved on. Um, his his game on the floor was getting better and better and was great. But I think, according to rumor anyway, uh, his locker room presence was beginning to to not go the way that a lot of people would have liked it to. What do you, what are your takes on him, uh, Will? I know you love him, so uh, tell us a little bit about him from your perspective. Well, one more uh, statistic I'd like to add to your to your list there is that his yeah. birthday is September fourteenth, which is also my birthday, which is part of the reason why I love him. Okay, um, I should have had that. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, you should not have had that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say, I mean, the three-point shooting has become, like, a very strange thing over the past couple of years where he just, like, refuses to take shots and 
doesn't shoot them well when he does. Uh, but we're talking about a guy here who is one of the best defensive players in the league and a guy who can give you 20 plus points a night, um, you know, five rebounds, five assists, two steals, and maybe even a block. Uh, he never turns the ball over. He shoots at a very high field goal percentage. Uh, he gets to the line like, you know, DeMar DeRozan, like James Harden level. Um, and he converts there at a really high clip. He's one of the most rounded players in the league. And I think, you know, when you, when you talk about the most important, the most premium players that you can find, it is big wings who can create efficient offense, who can distribute and who can defend at a high level. And I mean, Jimmy just fits all of that to a T. Uh, I, I really love watching him with the heat, just like develop into the player that I've always kind of believed he could be that he really showed that he was during his last season with the bulls. Um, where he averaged like 24, six and six, uh, just remarkably talented player. And yeah, probably a diva. He's definitely <laughs> got some, uh, questionable character issues, but I feel like when you're that good, you can just act however you want. Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked for Dennis, right? Worked for Dennis. Tell that to Matt. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, Matt, have you any thoughts on Jimmy? Um, well, you know, I'm not, I'm a bit like Peck. I'm not a. <laughs> I can appreciate his talent, but I'm not a big fan of him in just how what he is as a person and his hairstyle at the minute is just ridiculous. So. <laughs> I cannot uh, argue with that one. No, it's <laughs> brutal. But no, I've got I've got nothing else to say on him really. So I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah, well, I have a couple more notes on him. Um, just. Uh, game three of the 2020 NBA Finals with the Heat, he became only the third player in NBA history to record a 40-plus point triple-double. Um, and the only other two players that had done it were LeBron James and Jerry West. So that's a pretty impressive stat, I thought. Um, and, of course, his 52-point game for us against Charlotte in 2017. Yeah, it was his last year with us, wasn't it? In 2017. And we got the win as well. But um, he just didn't seem to be able to miss in that game. I, you know, I went back and watched the highlights of it, and it's just shot after shot after shot. It was just putting everything in. Um, but I do respect the guy. I mean, he came into the league with um, quite low expectations. I mean, he was drafted pretty pretty low, and um, I don't think anybody expected him to, to turn his uh, career from a solid NBA player into the all-star that he is. So... Uh, Kudos for that, anyway. One one more game that I want to point out for Jimmy, just because it's one of my favorites, is the 40-point half against Toronto, where the team just kind of, like, didn't know what to do. They were sort of collapsing, and then Jimmy just, like, took us home. And after the game, everybody just kind of, like, came together and hugged at half court. And it was just like, oh, my God, what did we just witness? That was remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt the guy has talent. Well, that's it, Matt. Yeah, I mean, obviously we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there as I'm sure you, you've had a busy couple of days and you've got dinner to have and stuff like that at the minute. So obviously we massively appreciate you coming on and Definitely. giving us some of your time. And hopefully we can maybe get you back on next year, same sort of time and 
see where we're at with that one and who knows we might actually be on video by then <laughs> well thank you guys for having me it's been really fun and like i said sorry it took so long and we delayed as much as we did but don't be shy about asking i'm happy to come on anytime that's great really appreciate it we'll really enjoy chatting with you you too yeah i mean we you know pass on our appreciation to to matt and dave as well and obviously chjo as a whole for, for you all coming on and been been massive for us to get you all on so i mean i'll let you give you your twitter handles and where we can find you so just in case nobody's following you and let you let you get on with your day yeah sure um you can follow me on twitter at won't gottlieb w-o-n-t-g-o-t-t-l-i-e-b um and all my written work is on all chgo.com so um i post it all on twitter so you can follow me there but um yeah our our daily show on YouTube and as a podcast with Matt and Dave, uh, writing at allchair.com and then Twitter. So, absolutely. Hey, once again, we appreciate you, and we'll we'll let you get on with your day. Thanks, Thanks guys. Well. Yeah, what an awesome chat that was, and I could I could have spoke with him all night. I don't know about you, and picked his brain all night, really. Yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it was it was really insightful, and he's just such a nice fella. Really nice guy. Yeah, and like I say, hopefully we'll be able to get him back on same time next year and get his insights then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, we're now, what, one o'clock in the morning, so I think yeah. it's time to uh, <laughs> to wrap up and we'll be recording again tonight with another guest. Uh, going, <laughs> it's true, yeah. Going French again, so stay tuned for that one. But, no, I hope you've all enjoyed that episode and got a couple of... Um, insights there that might not normally have got and um i've been matt you can find me on twitter at matt c red uk and you can find c red uk on all the socials at c red uk and i've been neil find me on twitter at neil c red uk thanks once again for hanging out with us here at the c red uk podcast please subscribe rate and review us and until next time wherever you are in the world c red go bulls Talk to you later. It's time for the percolator.